Now, these tape things go in the front and the back. Uh, how am I supposed to know? Okay. There. Whoa! These diapers are way too big. What size did you get? They're ultra-absorbent. The more absorbent, the better, if you ask me. Will you hold it for a minute? The kid's going crazy. I, I don't want to. Come on, Michael. Hey, don't pull that so hard. It's going to rip. I'm not going to rip it. Yes, you are. All right, well, okay. Uh, get me another diaper. I'll use the tape. I'll use the tape from the diaper. I'll tape it up. I'm an architect, for Christ's sakes. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a goddamn diaper. Take it easy, kid. All right? There. There, see? It's working. Piece of cake. There. Yeah. Nice job, Pete. insect was just waiting for that diaper to fall off. Welcome to So What's the Problem, where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be discussing Three Men and a Baby, which was released in the US on November 23rd, 1987, and the UK on April 8th, 1988, bit of a gap, and in Ireland on April 29th, 1988. It was written by James Orr and Jim Cruikshank, based on a French movie, um, and directed by Leonard Nimoy. It stars Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, The Goot, uh, Steve Gutberg, Margaret Collin, Philip Bosco, and Nancy Travis. And a few kids, a few babies. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy and I have thought of uh, three problems the movie has, and we'll discuss them. We also have one positive for the movie each. Yes, we do. Uh, what is your history with Free Men and a Baby Jen? This is your pick. Um, I'm sure I rented it at some point within a couple years of when it came out. Mm. Um, I, I actually, I think I saw Three Men and a Little Lady more than I saw this one. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and I've watched it a handful of times throughout the years. Uh, most recently, I've watched it within the past 10 years. Right. But I don't think I've watched it since I had a kid. Right. <laughs> Because uh, this 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 time it stressed me out a little more. Yeah, it does change. It I does change your perspective. You, yeah, I was gonna ask you if you had any trouble watching it now that you take care of a baby all the time. Um. Well, I saw it when I was. Oh, I can't remember. I saw it in nineteen eighty eight. Right. It was released in nineteen eighty eight here, and I saw it here because our local. I've said this before, but our local bingo hall also has a cinema screen, and right about eight 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 nine, they would they showed movies. And they showed this, and they showed Willow, and Moonwalker, and Police Academy 6. I saw Police Academy 6 in that cinema. Uh, Who framed Roger Rabbit and all that. So I saw this, and then in 1992, my sister was born, and I was 15. So I kind of went through it then, when I would re the movie, because, you know, I would change nappies back then. Mm-hmm. 
when I was 15. Uh, so I've kind of went through it twice now because now, <laughs> now I have a niece um, and I change her nappy. Occasionally, I'm not... As I've gotten older, I've, I've gotten um, more adverse to poop. Um, when I was younger, I could handle it. Now I can't and I want to throw up and I don't know why. Because uh, we all poop. No, I, I have that problem too. You would be shocked at how few uh, poopy diapers I actually had to change. Yeah, the Dylan when, Ditto. When Xander was a baby. He, if, if he was here, he would do, like, he would insist because mm. I have, like, a gag. Yeah. Um. So I actually, it is shocking how few of those diapers I had to actually change. Yeah, but watching it now, I watched it the other day, and I was watching it, I was like, right, I understand this. I understand this perfectly. I um, I get the stress as well that these men go through. Um, it's perfectly understandable. But when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, these fucking idiots. <laughs> it's just a baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like this movie. I, I, I hadn't seen it in a while. And um, I just forgot just how much I really enjoy it. Every time I watch it, I for I for like I realize I forgot it's like a good movie. Yeah, it is a, a, an actual genuinely good movie, and I think it's better than the sequel because the sequel's kind of crap. Uh, but we might do that at some point. So this is the third movie that we've covered so far that's based on a French film. Really? I thought it was only two. There's this and My Father the Hero, but True Lies is mm-hmm. one as well. Oh, okay. So there's three. Um, and I was going to say that it's weird that Leonard Nimoy directed this, but um, uh, Sidney Poitier directed Ghost Dad, and I think that is weirder. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, let's just start with our problems then, Jen, and it's your turn first. Well, first of all, before I forget, mm-hmm. uh, I just need to mention this is the highest grossing movie of 1987 in the U.S., yeah. That's insane. Yeah, if you go by in-year release, it's the highest grossing, which means it got re-released around about Memorial Day or something, um, okay. and it, so it made money then as well, so they count that, so in total, um, but then but it's like number four or something, if you four or five if you only go by the number of weeks it spent at number one in its initial release. Okay. But yeah. In total for 1987, it is the highest grossing movie. <laughs> and the highest grossing PG movie um, of that year. So insane. Anyway, my first problem is they show a whole ass naked baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's we're not talking just butt. They show her front. Yeah, they did. And everything. Mm-hmm. And that does not sit well with me. And I don't think that would be done now. No, it absolutely would not be done now. Yeah, that was kind of uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't like that. I wonder what the twins who played this baby think about this, watching it <laughs> back now. You know? Yeah. But yeah, that's quite, it's quite horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, different times. They didn't, I mean, it's not done as though it's, they're not meaning anything by it. They're just showing like, a baby getting changed. It's not like it's. I know, but it was to shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, understand, understand. So that was your first problem. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it just really upset me. Uh, my first problem is the opening credits is essentially a four minute, 21 second long music video. 
and that annoys me because it's almost the, I think it's pretty much the entire song they play um, Bad Boy by Miami Sound Machine it goes on for far too long I think the opening credits we get that these three guys are bachelors and like to have sex with lots of women throughout the movie as well so we don't really need a four minute long montage at the start to show that there you go that's my first problem well, I can't say anything about it because I have more things to say about it later. Cool. Um, Good. Uh, I guess my second problem is what she leaves this baby on the doorstep. Right. She doesn't. She doesn't leave diapers. No, no. Formula. Like it's just a baby. Like that drives me crazy. Like mm-hmm. l- leave some supplies yeah that really for some reason that pissed me off more than just leaving the baby on the doorstep yeah she must have them you know yeah it's not as though she went right as soon as these diapers run out i'm going to leave this baby at the dad's doorstep and leave yeah and she can't say it's because she doesn't have any money or anything because she does say that you know she has to work in new york to earn money but she can still afford to move to London in the first place, you know, she can afford a ticket, but mm-hmm. she can't afford diapers for her baby. Yeah, that, like, leaves, especially if you know that the guy you're leaving the baby with isn't going to know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I will say, and I don't know, this might be controversial, I don't know. I actually kind of appreciate... The fact that it shows a woman overwhelmed and leaving her baby. Um, I think it's, it's, I don't want to say socially acceptable, but it's more acceptable for a man to abandon his child. Mm -hmm. That is something that people accept more. um, And it's more common. And it is less, and no one accepts a woman Mm. doing that and i'm not saying it's good to abandon your child no i know what <laughs> i am mean. by I no means saying yeah. that but um like i was listening to my favorite murder the other day and they were talking about this woman that disappeared and she was mother and it's like but she wouldn't leave on her own because wh- what what how would she, why would she abandon her children and mm-hmm. it's like some women do first of mm-hmm. all and second of all like honestly when you think about postpartum depression um, and everything that comes with that, it's shocking more women don't abandon their babies. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, it's and, and, and babies are overwhelming. And um, while watching the movie, you know, I am, you know, pissed at her for leaving the baby like that. But it's hard for me to say that, like, I, I try to find a way to say it where I don't sound like women should be allowed to abandon their babies. But it bothers me that it's like so acceptable for men and not for women. No, I understand what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. It's yeah, because you don't really want to say it's good that this movie showed that this woman is stressed out her box because she has mm-hmm. a, um, a a newborn baby and she can't handle it and handle work at the same time. It's a good thing that the movie showed this, but it kind of is because it also yeah. shows that you do get stressed when you have a child, and it mm-hmm. is very stressful and it is very daunting. And I don't like the way she did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not leaving diapers and stuff. Yeah. And she does come back when she sorts her shit out. But it would be nice even if she just sort of messaged Jack at some point and said, or, you know, phoned the house or something at some point and Mm -hmm. said, I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm really sorry. No, I I, I agree with you, Jen. Okay. 
Okay, it's it's a it it's an opinion that I have had for a while, not just about this movie, just in general. Mm-hmm. But you're not supposed to say it, right? Like, yeah, it's it's just like the thing where women aren't supposed to talk about, like if they hate motherhood. I know, and that pisses me off because, like, I love my kid, mm-hmm. um, but motherhood can be hard, and mm-hmm. it's like it's not natural to everybody, and um we're not supposed to complain, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're it's it's we're not supposed to complain about our kids and that pisses me off cuz like kids can suck. Mm-hmm. Like I love my kid, but he pisses me off sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's because he's a human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh you know, I'm in school right now and he keeps giving me shit about cuz I have to leave the house to study. I can't study here. Mm-hmm. Um and he keeps giving me shit about going out to study in the evening and he makes me feel so awful. And there were two weeks that between studying and family being in town, we didn't have an evening where it was just the three of us at home alone. Mm-hmm. Like without any obligations or anything. And so last Wednesday, for the first time in two weeks, I was home and I thought he'd be so happy. He comes in to the living room about 15 minutes before bedtime and he's like, "Oh, you're here." <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't noticed that I'd been home all evening. Oh, really? Yeah, and he <laughs> makes such a big deal about how he wants me home. Mm-hmm. And when I'm home, he doesn't even notice. Like, kids drive you crazy. Yeah. And the the thing I like about this movie is that, yeah, it sucks that she just leaves the baby on the doorstep. But I also like that the the movie is sympathetic to her at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not making her out to be a bad person. Yeah, yeah. It's making her out to be a human being who gets stressed about <laughs> having a baby and just does a spur of the moment thing. Um, but then she realizes a mistake and comes back. I mean, that's what you know. That's what being human is all about, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know, it's very the characterization in this movie is actually quite surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, because. You've also got, like, uh, Tom Selleck, who, like, his character pretty much right away just tackles the situation. Like, as soon as the baby's on his doorstep, he's like, right, diapers, mark it, mm-hmm. gone. You know what I mean? Straight away, he yeah. leaves the house to go and get diapers. He doesn't leave the house to get away from the baby. He leaves the house to get diapers for the baby. And it's like, mm. that's really good, like, characterization. This man is like, fuck it. <laughs> this is the problem we have now. I'm going to fix it as best as I can. And also he shows, like, I think he's the one that shows the most sort of caring towards Mary. Yeah. Like, when he comes into the house and the house is all demolished and everything and he's running about the house. I hate that scene. That scene that <laughs> upsets me. Yeah, yeah. That, that was where... That was the scene where I actually wrote the note to ask you if you had trouble watching this movie since, yeah. since you've been taking care of a baby. Because that scene, yeah. I, it was way more stressful to me than it's been in the past. Yeah, no, definitely. Because it, it did stress me out this time. Because I, I knew the baby was okay. I've seen the movie loads of times. Yeah. But it's like, I'm, I'm feeling it that he's really like anxious to find this baby. And he's shouting her name and running about the house. Um, and... Uh, He's not giving a shit the fact that the house is messed up. He doesn't care. He's just wanting this yeah. baby. And that's like, yeah, that's really good characterization. Um, and I like that Ted Danson's character is a womanizing arsehole. Well, he's not really an arsehole. He's just a womanizer. But he's yeah. still sort of, uh, 
And he also, like, kind of takes to Mary quite quickly. Like, once his mum says, you're on your own, it's like automatically, right, I'm a dad, that's it. And he becomes a dad. And I love yeah. that. I just think that yeah. is so... And Steve Gutenberg is also there. So... <laughs> he cares, just not as much. Yeah. No, he does care. He does care. I mean, he's also kind of like the less womanizing of the three, I think, mm-hmm. because he doesn't really get the chance to. Because <laughs> all of his dates, he ends up like fixing their past relationships, which I think is yeah. quite funny. Um, but yeah, I think it's good characterization. Right, where were we? Have we? How, what problem are we on? <laughs> uh, I said my second problem. Right, my second problem, and I've written a lot down here, so I'm gonna have to truncate it. Right, it's the ghost boy urban legend. <laughs> Someone brought that up to me. Like, I was at a bar last night, and I was like, you know, it's a good movie. Three men and a baby. And yeah. someone was like, just see the ghost. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I once again forgot to look for the supposed ghost. You know, there's people that still think it's a ghost. I know, I know. Um, That actually surprises me. But it's also part of my problem. And it's not in the negative for that i think it's great my problem uh, and in case anybody doesn't know there's a scene where ted danson and his mum are walking around with the baby and in the background you see what looks like apparently looks like a little boy it did in vhs back in 1988 but it looks like a little boy in the background behind the curtain but it's actually a cardboard cutout of ted danson because you see it elsewhere around the movie mm-hmm. but pe- for years people thought oh this was a uh, this was a boy who killed himself or uh, his mother killed him or something like that. It was all different kinds of stories and his ghost was haunting the apartment that they filmed in, in New York. But this movie was actually filmed on a soundstage in Canada. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a ghost. But my problem is um, mostly the internet because it came along and sort of destroyed stuff like this. Because... It was fun to watch movies like this and analyse it, but now you've got the internet and it can just say, no, it's this. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, that's kind of just, you know, fucked that up. I really enjoyed that sort of thing when I was younger. Yeah, urban legends and stuff like that aren't as fun anymore. No, no. Like stuff like this, like ghosts in movies and munchkin actors, you know, committing suicide and the set of the wizard, all stuff like that. It's like, no, it's a bird. You can see a big bird. It's not... um, someone hanging from a tree i'm sorry but back then you know we used to love stuff like that and now yeah. the internet you just tell us it's all bollocks and that is my second problem i have a problem with that too mm-hmm. i do um i also like and it's it's it happens everywhere like there's a restaurant that was near my house that has like it's called celebrity uh celebrity restaurant and um there's no windows it's but it looks like it's like it's almost just like a box mm. but then it looks like it's supposed to be fancy and but i never saw anybody going in or out of it it was just kind of like a weird i, I can't explain it there's just something about it that was mysterious and we would always um like people would always kind of speculate like what is this celebrity restaurant like right mm-hmm. and especially the no windows thing was so weird and then a few years ago, it occurred to me, I could look it up online. Yeah. And I did. And it was disappointing to actually see what it looks like. And so- Well, actually, it wasn't because it was, like, really cheesy mm-hmm. with, like, a lot of velvet, a lot of red velvet everywhere. Right. But 
but it was like there was something about the mystery of of this place that and like speculating about it and then mm-hmm. when you actually see it it's like oh that mystery is ruined and yeah. if i hadn't and now it's closed and I, I was thinking about it the other day i was like how interesting would that be for me if i had never seen the inside cuz i did eventually go eat there once but what if i'd never seen the inside and it was just like always this kind of mysterious we don't have as much mystery yeah anymore with the internet everything can get debunked quite easily now um there's so many youtube videos that debunk everything yeah or like if say there's like a creepy house on your street that Mm. you know there are rumors about like what happened there or whatever if the house goes on the market you can just look it up on the internet and look at the inside yeah that's no fun but i'll do it i'll ruin anything i'll ruin anything (laughs) It just when we were kids, there were you know so many urban legends mm. and stories about things that happened in yeah. movies and stuff like that, and it was it was fun, and and I'm sure kids still have that to some extent, but probably mm. not nearly the same as we did. Yeah, now it can be just easily you can just look it up and that will be that. I mean, it's good yeah. if they don't, and then they still have that mystery with some certain things, but things like this. I mean, I I don't believe in ghosts. I used to when I was younger, but now I have a brain. Back then, it was like, you know, it could be a ghost. It could be a little boy. Maybe his mum killed him. Maybe, you know, she shot him or she drowned him or something. It's just this, and it's morbid as fuck, but it's still just quite sort of exciting to have that discussion yeah. with people. And just don't really have that anymore. Yeah. So what is your third problem? Um, hey, don't take a baby to a drug deal. Yeah, you would think that they would have... I mean, yeah. They know a lot of people. We saw that party. Surely they could find some kind of babysitter. They could ask that lady again. I mean, she got tied up before, but they're a way to meet the people who tied her up. So it's not as though they're going to come back and tie her up again. Well, I doubt they would be telling her that, though. True. She wouldn't know that. But... They had to tell her something. I mean, they had to tell her something that, Mm -hmm. you know... We don't see her again Yeah, that's true. Oh... (laughs) Maybe she had PTSD. Yeah, maybe she just leaves the city for a while. Surely they could find someone to watch the baby. Yeah. I just realised this is the second movie in a row we've watched that is um, Canada masquerading as New York. Because <laughs> Short Circuit 2 did it as well. But at least this movie does shoot scenes in Central Park. Mm-hmm. So you, there are actual shots of New York okay. in this. So. <laughs> yeah, don't take babies to drug deals. That's just, like, a general rule in life. Also, like, just hand over the drugs to them and then move on with your life. Like, yeah, they're being followed and stuff, but once they get rid of the drug, they shouldn't worry about it anymore. You don't really know that, though, because they they know what the guys look like. Oh, that's true. So, you know, there's always that element of, well, you know what we look like, kill you now. I guess. One thing that always bothered me about that scene, how does Steve Gutenberg's character fall? He just falls. There's like it doesn't show you inside the thing that he's in, and like maybe there's a rat or something, and he has mm-hmm. you know he just falls over, and it's like that's quite lazy, yeah. yeah. But you know his character's useless anyway. Michael's useless Aww. in this movie. Yes, I like Michael though. I was I was hanging out with Michael. <laughs> he he's a good artist, yes. and he seems like a, a nice guy. Uh, I'd I'd hang out with Michael more than I'd hang out with um Jack. My third problem is. Peter goes to a, a, a newsstand mm. and he buys a newspaper and a magazine mm. and he also buys a toy. Yeah. And he argues with the guy about what the toy is. 
that toy is absolutely 100% a fucking giraffe yeah. and not a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. It is a giraffe. It is. <laughs> Peter's correct. He is. That was so weird. <laughs> That's annoyed me since I first saw this movie in 1988. It's so weird. Like, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I know. It's clearly a giraffe. I don't know how he got the dinosaur from. A spotted long neck dinosaur with like weird bumps in its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, so what is your third problem? I said it already. Did you? Don't take a baby to a drug deal. So you did. What is your positive? <laughs> My positive, you're gonna love this. Yeah. Um, I love the opening of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do, because oh. I mean, this is back in the day when they would show us full credits, and there'd usually be credits over something, like it wouldn't be over just a scene, right? Mm-hmm. And and you'd have things like, Don't Tell Mom Babysitter's Dead, where there'd be a cartoon, like I remember there being several yeah. cartoon openings, but it's, it's nice, because first of all, like, I think it's just cool watching him paint, like, seeing him, like, showing that whole process, and like, but it's... I know you said, like, okay, we get it, they're bachelors, but mm-hmm. it is an interesting way to have exposition because we see that he, we see that um, Michael is an artist. Yeah. Uh, they establish that um, Peter is an architect mm-hmm. and that he built the penthouse that these three grown men mm-hmm. live in together, which, like, I don't judge people's mm-hmm. living situations, but this is 1987, and it's, like, mm-hmm. two men in their 40s and, like, a 29-year-old living together. Like, it just... And they're, they all seem... <laughs> they all seem successful. Like, they have enough money they could live on their own. So that that was kind of weird to me. But... Did you look up their ages? Oh, I always do. You looked up that... Right, so you're older than Steve Gutenberg in this movie, then. I'm older than Steve Gutenberg on the same age as... Ted Danson and just a couple of years younger than Tom Selleck. Well, how old was Tom Selleck when he made this movie? About like 42. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm older than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am now older than all of the men in this movie. That's crazy. And the baby. Well, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, clearly, like, they had some sort of deal with uh, Miami Sound Machine because there were a couple songs in the movie. Um, yeah. But it's... Well, and it also... Goes back to that thing that was big in the 80s where, like, movies had song, like, there'd be some big song from a movie, you know, and that's like, and I love, I appreciate that, and that's their big song in the movie. But, um, song and ending credits is, uh, was released as a single as well. I just, I really, I like the opening. Like, it, it gets you in the mood for the movie. It sets up everything you need to know. Plus, they do a really good job of showing, like, you see Jack with all these women, right? And then mm-hmm. you see Tom Selleck. With a couple women and mm-hmm. Michael with none. So it kind of even shows you, like, it's not just that they're bachelors, but like kind of the degrees to which they lean into the whole bachelor thing. Yeah. Um, it, it gives you a lot of information. And it's, you know, credits can be so boring at the beginning of movies. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it gets you through the credits without being super bored. I don't think Michael sleeps with a single woman in this movie. Nope. But yeah, right. Okay, let's get it then. I'll expand upon it more. My problem with the opening is it's a lot of like sort of slow mo, no fast motion. It's like it's a lot of sped up stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. And it's it's, I think that it gives us information that we learn throughout the movie as well. 
Um, so we're sort of told the same information twice because we're told that he's an artist twice. Mm-hmm. Peter's always saying, I'm an architect, I'll build this. I'm an architect, I'll build that. We see him on his building site. We know he's an architect. Mm-hmm. An architect, we learn that a lot. Even if they just showed, like, a couple of women. that We, we get it that Jack sleeps around. Yeah. Um, and that can also be told through dialogue. When he discovers that he has a baby, he has to think about which woman it could be. Um, and then he has to, you know, do I remember a Sylvia? Mm-hmm. Because there's been that many, that's, that's, you know, you don't need, and I just felt as though that while I do like opening credits that have something behind them, I just think that don't show the same information twice throughout the movie is my problem. And it's sped up, and I don't like that. I just always really like the opening of this movie. I like the song. I just, I just don't think that, I just think it's though it is just like a, a, a music video for the song, because I just released... This um this opening montage with the the uh, credits as a music video for the song and it would have fit perfectly, um but yeah, there's the song at the end. I can't remember what it's called, but it's by the same guy who did Man in Motion. Um, Jack- John Parr. Man, I was about to say Jack Parr. John Parr. <laughs> John Parr. Um, yeah. That was released as a single as well, that song. And it's on Spotify and it'll be on our playlist. My positive. I have to think of a positive. I can't bloody think of one. No, I just think that especially Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg, I think these guys have got really good chemistry because mm-hmm. those two are together the most. Um, So I think those two have the, you know, good chemistry together. And I think it might help that they're both Republicans in real life. But I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, the thing is, though, Steve Gutenberg seems like a really nice guy in real life. Um, but Tom Selleck seems like a bit of a douche. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I When I think of Tom Selleck, I think of that infamous interview Rosie O'Donnell did with him and, uh, when she had her <laughs> show in the 90s where she, um, she confronted him about his beliefs about guns. And <sighs> it was so funny because she was supposed to be like the queen of nice. I think that's what they called her. And everyone thought of her as just, like, this sweet woman. And they were shocked that she went after him the way that she did because she got really aggressive. Really? Yeah. And I remember watching – because I watched her show. Like, I saw that interview when it aired. And mm. it's so funny because then after she left her show, she became known as, like, a pretty antagonistic person. And it's just right. so funny to me. Like, that was the first sign that – that she might argue. And I remember at the time being like, man, why, why is she like, I agree with her, but why is she doing this? And now I look back and I'm like, good for you. You had a platform, you had something to say and you said it. But, but yeah, she went after him. Um, I used, I watched the first couple of seasons of blue bloods. Um, I watched Magnum quite a lot when I was a kid. That was a good show, but I watched blue bloods because of Tom Selleck. And the show just became like really sort of, conservative mm-hmm. there's characters in it that are left leaning like the one of the daughters and one of the sons and the granddaughter are all sort of on the left mm-hmm. um but uh tom Selleck's character is you know on the right mm-hmm. and he usually is in the right <laughs> um with storylines and i just kind of found that kind of like and it's all like yeah the cops are great yeah you yeah. know it's called blue bloods for fuck's yeah. sake 
But then it just became a little bit too much for me, <laughs> leaning towards the one side, so I just gave up on it. Yeah, I've never seen Blue Bloods, I've never seen Magnum P.I. For me, it's Friends. Like, that's that's where... Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. obviously knew who he was before then, but, like, the, out of TV shows, Friends is the yeah. one that I think of. Magnum's really good, actually. I've watched episodes of Magnum as an adult, and it, it holds up. There's some really good stuff in Magnum, but and he's very charming in it. And, uh, and I think he's quite charming in this as well. Yeah. Um, and I think he's got good comedic timing, and uh, I mean they all do, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I have notes. Okay. I'm not really a huge fan of Rebecca. Um, because of the way that she is kind of written, and it's like it's good that they're portraying a couple that have like an open relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see him with other women and her with other men. Mm-hmm. But then she's still just kind of pointless, though. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't do anything. And it's not that I don't like the actress or anything. I just think that she's... I don't know why she's there. Like, the only the only reason I could think of that she's there is because so that there's a woman to call because they're going to assume a woman knows what she's doing yeah. with kids. But other than that, yeah, I don't... It, it makes me wonder if there was even more with her that maybe was cut out. Just give them a female friend or like Michael's sister or something. Or you know? they could just call a woman they know, like establish yeah. a woman at the party scene. Like it's it. I don't know. I, I get the feeling maybe they were trying to show like, the, you know, they're showing the different degrees of bachelorhood and that they're trying to show him as like an in-between. Mm-hmm. But like there needed to be more scenes with her or maybe even fewer. Yeah, because she doesn't, she just disappears. I mean, mm-hmm. once... The last time we see her is after they sing, all three men are singing to the baby, and then she's in bed with um, Tom Selleck, and then she just vanishes from the movie after that. You don't see her at all. Yeah, I'm going to guess something got cut out. Yeah, and then in the sequel, he ends up with Sylvia, so it's like, well, what's the... Yeah, she's just pointless, but, you know. Um, Ted Danson singing My Girl While Holding a Baby in the Shower is either really cute or really creepy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, in the context of the character and it being his daughter, mm-hmm. it is quite cute. Yeah. See, at the end, when um, everything's all sorted and all that, why don't they let the cop hold the baby? I don't know. They're real weird about that cop and the baby. Why not hire an English actress to play Sylvia? I don't know. Why does she have to be British anyway? Like, she could be from California. That's still very far away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Canada. Yeah. At the end, they come out of the apartment and they lengthen the handle of the of the pram, of the buggy, mm-hmm. um, so they can all hold it. But they're going to have to close that again to get into the elevator. Yeah. There was 11 stuntmen credited in this movie for some reason. That's a lot. For what? Michael falling over. That's it. And the two guys getting hit by the, the big pipes. But there's nothing else really stunt-worthy in this. For 11 stuntmen. Yeah. Uh, can we also talk about the fact that the poster, which is very cute... Tom Selleck has a wet spot on him, and it's because the baby actually peed on him. Oh, is that <laughs> while well, they were taking the pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's real baby pee, and that is hilarious to me. That's great. That is so good. I've always disliked um, Ted Danson's uh, what he's doing on that poster because he's just not like making an old face. I have to look at this now. It just seems a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that before. <laughs> 
That's so weird. Yeah. He's just making a, he's just going, oh. Well, and Steve Gutenberg's making puppy dog eyes at you. Oh, he can anytime he wants. <laughs> he's the good. Even when he's on Veronica Mars? No. No, <laughs> no when he's playing that character. No, he can fuck off when he's playing that character. Um, but that's, it's good though that he did that. He's not a lot of actors would be like, because I'm sure they told him when they were making that show mm-hmm. that his character was going to end up. Otherwise, why you know, you would have been like, no, <laughs> you're not making me a pedophile in this in this TV show. So he must have known. Yeah. Um. So yeah, solid movie. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Next week is my choice, and because it's prom season, we're doing prom night from 1980. Okay. Um. And Jen's looking forward to this because she's not. Um, so, <laughs> so we're doing a horror movie. It really is like I've been, you know, we'll go out to eat on like a Friday or a Saturday, and you'll see a limo pull up, and all these kids get out, and they're dressed mm. really nice, and they're going out to dinner before prom, and it's cute. Yeah. So that's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod. Uh, shiftthebench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftthebench.co.uk is the email address. Please send us some feedback, folks. Yay! Um, where can people follow you online, Jen? I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. And I rarely tweet. <laughs> you rarely tweet. You rarely post your other podcast. <laughs> um, but you do this one on a weekly basis, so that's good. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so, that's enough, really, isn't it? Uh, so thank you all for listening and we'll speak till next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.